Hello, and welcome to Menno Minis. I am Denise Wellick-Peterson, founder of the Menopause Project, creator of the Use Your Cycle Method. I've been a personal trainer for the last 18 years to hundreds of women, helping them through hormonal disruption, perimenopause, and menopause. Coming out on the other side, celebrating their strength, their health, and their wisdom. Because menopause doesn't have to suck. In Menno Minis, we'll be discussing everything from workouts and veggies to sleep and sex, becoming an empty nester, and everything that comes along with that. Welcome to today's Menno Mini. Today we're going to talk about how lifestyle affects your hormones. Did you know that 95 to 98% of hormonal disruptions can be fixed with lifestyle changes? I talk to so many women who see menopause as an event that causes weight gain, low libido, poor sleep, wild mood swings, brain fog, anxiety, and depression. So they head straight to the doctor to get the blood work done and be prescribed a pill or two. Now I'm not knocking your choices. I'm just presenting you with another thought process. You see, I kind of like to fix things versus mask things. But if you're already doing all the things and you still need a pill to maybe flip the switch or for the short, short term, I'm totally cool with that. Side note, you don't need to go to the doctor to get your blood work done to know you're in perimenopause or menopause. I mean, you can, but if you're in your late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s, you're probably starting to experience some hormonal disruption. Menopause, it's kind of like puberty in reverse. Remember, like weird things started to happen, like, oh, you started to get boobies, but you didn't get your period right away. Or maybe you started to get some hair down there, but you didn't get your period right away, right? You knew you were in puberty, or maybe you didn't, but your mom probably did. You didn't need to go to a doctor to be told you were in puberty. Kind of the same thing here, guys. You're probably in perimenopause. That's the time before menopause. Yes, I do feel like I need to do these definitions because so often I talk to a woman who's my age-ish, which is 48. Maybe I graduated with them. Maybe I just know they are my age. And I will say something about, um, you know, they'll ask what I do and I'll say I'm, in men- I'm a menopause specialist. And they're like, huh, huh, oh, I'm not there yet. I don't need your services. And I just look at them and I'm like, very cool. Well, when you do, if you do, here I am. Ladies, you're in perimenopause. Now, if you don't have any symptoms, that's totally cool. And I'm really stoked for you. But menopause, menopause is literally the 12-month period where you do not have any periods. It, it's not like the rest of your life. It's, it's literally just that 12 months, the first 12 months in a row that you don't have a period. After that, you are postmenopausal. And before that, you are perimenopausal. Again, just like puberty. Okay, so you don't need me. That's fine. Totally cool with that. And my experience has been that when people come to work with me, we base everything off of your hormone cycle and a very clear indicator of 
when you start your estrogen phase is your period. And women that do come to me after they no longer have a period, we we don't necessarily struggle. We have a, a way to work it, but they always go, geez, I wish I would have known this five years ago. So heads up, if you don't think you're perimenopausal, women that have come before you wish they'd have started earlier, wish they'd have known this stuff earlier so you don't have to suffer. Those sleepless nights can be modified right now. You don't have to wait till your seventh month of no period, okay? So let's get your food and movement right so your hormones work the way they're supposed to. Another definition. What are hormones? Hormones are literally just messengers. They are affected by how you move and what you eat. They are neither good nor bad. They're just messengers with the end goal being survival of the fittest, survival of the species. For example, you eat a donut and your sugar spikes. Your insulin spikes right behind it because we must protect the brain for survival and sugar is poison to the brain. It's not insulin's fault that you had a sugar crash and need a nap. The insulin is protecting your survival by stunting the sugar, by shunting the sugar into a fat cell far away from your brain. Or what about no sex drive, low libido? You spend your day sitting around too much, eating too little, swilling caffeine all day long. It's not the increased cortisol suppressing your testosterone. Cortisol sees that you are in no condition to carry a baby because you are very busy running from tigers all day long. Survival of the species. What do I mean by run from tigers? I mean, it's stressful on your body to sit too much. It's stressful on your body to have too much caffeine. It's stressful on your body to not eat enough. All of these things are the equivalent of 10,000 years ago having to run from a tiger. So your body, if it's running from a tiger, is in no condition to carry a baby. Same thing here. I spend my time filling in the blanks to your body's owner's manual. If there's too much sugar, then the insulin is released. If you eat enough fiber to keep regular and prevent estrogen buildup, then you won't suffer so many hot flashes. A walk in nature to help build up your immunity and reset cortisol will help you lose weight. That's what I do. Now, some of the first steps in hormonal balance, some of the first things that I teach my clients, some of the things you can start right now today to help feel better, to increase your energy, to level out your mood swings, to shunt off the weight gain. That's what we're going to go over today. The very first thing is involves protein. Now, quick definition of protein. Yes, it's meat, but it is also in vegetables. It is also in beans, seeds, and legumes, right? So, well, bite for bite, you're going to get more protein from a bite of steak or a bite of chicken. That doesn't mean that you're not getting some protein in your mushrooms or some protein in the Brussels sprouts or in your peas even. Peas, yes, peas are a legume. They have more protein than your average vegetable, right? 
So what else about protein? It's a good idea for women to get a minimum of 100 grams of protein a day. And if you are postmenopausal, we want to up that number to 125 grams of protein a day. Now I'm talking generally here. Maybe you have a lot of muscle mass on your body already and you need more than that. But regardless of how much muscle mass you have, 125 grams is kind of the minimum. It's what science has found that pound for pound, women don't absorb, postmenopausal women do not absorb protein as easily as any other group. So we want to get just a little bit more protein so that your body can uptake the protein. We want the protein to support the muscle mass that we do have because as we get older, it becomes increasingly hard to build muscle. Muscle is what burns calories as we get older. The more muscle you have going into perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, the harder it will be to gain weight. You want muscle, so you want to eat the protein. Another thing, you want to make sure that that 125 grams of protein, that you're pacing that throughout the day. For example, you don't want to have 10 grams of protein for breakfast and 10 for lunch, and then try and get 110 grams at supper time. Your body can't deal with all of the protein quick enough at supper time before it passes out of the system, right? So you want to have an even supply, kind of, kind of like a drip feed all day long of protein. So 125 grams, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, that's about 35 grams of protein per meal. So you want to make sure that you're getting a little bit all day long. What does a portion of protein look like? Mm, it looks like about four to six ounces of steak, about four to six ounces of chicken. Four to six ounces looks like about the palm of your hand. But as I get started working with people, women in particular, I say, you know, for a little while, it wouldn't be a bad idea for you to weigh that piece of meat. So you get a really good idea of what does four ounces look like? What does six ounces look like? There's also protein shakes. You want to look for a shake that has more protein than sugar. You want to look for a shake that doesn't have soy in it or artificial sweeteners. It should be lower carb, and it could have some fat in it. Maybe whey protein is great for you. Maybe not. Sometimes that's something you need to play with. You want to make sure that the first ingredients in that protein shake are not sugar. Now, why all this protein, Denise? Like I said, I've been a trainer for over 18 years. I've sat across a desk from women. And when I say 125 grams, I know that they're like, whoa, that's a lot of protein. Or they might say, yeah, I'm getting that. And I listen to what they eat and they say, well, I'm eating Greek yogurt for breakfast with some berries. And I have a salad for lunch. They go over what's in that salad, very little protein usually. And then, you know, for supper, you know, my husband and I have been cutting back. We don't want to to gain any weight, so we have like some soup, or maybe we have a salad with a little bit of protein, right? And then they're surprised when we add up how much protein they get in a day, and it's usually somewhere under 75 grams. So I understand for a lot of people, 
I'm saying 125 grams and that feels like a lot of protein. But what if I told you by increasing your protein, you would sleep better? What if I told you by increasing your protein, your libido would come back, your energy would come back, and your brain fog would dissipate? Would you try it? Now, little side note here. You don't want to go from 70 grams of protein a day to 125 tomorrow. Add 5 or 10 grams of protein every couple of days until you've worked yourself up to 125 grams. Because if you start eating that and your body is not accustomed to digesting and dealing with that much protein, you will be uncomfortable for a few days. So just gradually add it. Okay, now the second food group that I like to address is vegetables. Not fruit and vegetables, vegetables. You need to be getting vegetables at every single meal. Vegetables provide fiber for regularity. We want to be pooping at least once per day in order to prevent estrogen buildup in your system. Because estrogen buildup gives you all of those very stereotypical menopause symptoms. Things like hot flashes, night sweats, brain fog. So we don't want the estrogen to build up in our system. You gotta poop once a day. Minimum. Got it? Poop. Have your fiber in, your, in the form of vegetables. Also, we want to lean toward having cruciferous vegetables every single day. Cruciferous vegetables are broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale, cauliflower. I always miss the fifth one. And there's a fifth one. Why the cruciferous vegetables? Those help support your liver. Your liver is constantly detoxing your body. So you want to support that detox with the nutrients that come in the broccoli and kale and cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. Okay? So you want to make sure you're getting some of those every single day. You want to remember that vegetables are not just carrot and celery sticks. There's a whole department of vegetables. And if you are just not sure what to do with the vegetables or you don't can't think of anything, whatever, just go stand, go go to a really nice grocery store or a food co-op or a Whole Foods or something. You don't always have to go there, but just go and look at the vegetables and go, okay, what do I do with beets? You know, take some pictures of some stuff and then go home and look up some recipes. You don't have to steam all of your vegetables to make them their most healthy. Honestly, I just need you to get the vegetables in. If that means you're going to put dressing on your salad, do it. If that means you're going to use a little bit of oil to saute your vegetables, do it. Whatever's going to make you think vegetables are tasty so that you will get them in because that fiber and those vitamins that you're going to get with those vegetables are far more important than the few extra calories in that dressing or in that oil, right? Just start trying things. And I can, I already can hear you say it because honestly, again, women sitting at my desk for years, ew, vegetables for breakfast? Yes, vegetables for breakfast. Now, if you grew up like I did eating 
life cereal and a glass of milk or a glass of juice, I understand. I get it. But what about an omelet? What about an egg bake? Right? Mushrooms and spinach and a little bit of ham. That increases your protein and gets you vegetables for breakfast. I've got clients all over the place that they make a batch of little mini quiches every weekend so that they have grab and grow go breakfasts. Do something that works for you. For lunch, we're looking at a soup, a salad, or a stir fry, right? Whatever it takes to get the vegetables in. Fun side note here. I really like salads. I really like to buy those salad kits in a bag. And I will eat the whole salad kit in the bag for lunch, right? I know it says three servings, whatever. I eat the whole thing. I want to eat, right? And yes, I use the dressing. Yes, I use the crumbly things, right? Just recently bought a salad chopper so that even though that comes up chopped, I chop it up even smaller. Divine. I really think you need to look into that. Stir fries are also great lunches. Tons of vegetables, right? Soup. What about a beef barley soup with lots of extra vegetables? Or chicken noodle soup with lots of vegetables? This is an awesome way to get your vegetables in. Now your snack. That could either be between breakfast and lunch or between lunch and dinner. Whatever makes sense in your day. Get some vegetables in there. Maybe it's a little salad. Maybe it's a little soup. Maybe it's, um, I like to take zucchini and cut it up into rounds and dip it in hummus. What do you, what do you use for your snack? How could you do something different with your vegetables for a snack? I'd love to hear. Um, and then of course for supper, half of your plate should be filled with green vegetables. Like if you imagine your dinner plate, cut it in half, half the plate is green vegetables. The other half, cut in half and half of it is protein and the other half is a starchy vegetable like a sweet potato or a potato. Okay, vegetables are that important. Now, if right now you're going, oh my gosh, I could never eat a half a plate of vegetables. Okay. So then here's where you practice crowding out the other stuff on your plate until you can get half a plate of green vegetables. You need the fiber, you need the vitamins, you need the minerals, and these are going to help control your weight, okay? By crowding out, you want to eat so much of the good stuff that the other stuff is crowded out. So half a plate of vegetables, okay? And just like with protein, Start slow. If you're maybe getting three carrot sticks a day, don't suddenly jump into that half a plate at supper. Same reason as protein, right? But start and every couple of days up your vegetables. All right. Now there's this third group, this these starchy carbs. Okay, and I want to be specific because vegetables are all carbs, just you know, so you know. But starchy carbs like breads cookies, sweet potatoes, regular potatoes. You want to limit these things. I still like potatoes. I still like sweet potatoes, but more like a half a potato, not a full loaded potato, right? 
And the reason we want to limit the breads and the cookies and the noodles and the pastas is because as we get older, we become more insulin resistant. And when we are insulin resistant, the body pumps out extra insulin to deal with these things. And if you're pumping out extra insulin, you are storing it as fat. So we want to limit the amount of starchy carbs that we're getting. Now, I've got a few personal guidelines that I use that I thought I'd share with you. So first, protein at every single meal. We also have protein before my coffee because coffee is going to ignite the cortisol. Cortisol helps store fat. Remember the example in the beginning, you eat a donut, your insulin spikes, we store that sugar as fat, right? So have a little bit of protein before my coffee. Now that could be just a hard boiled egg or it could be a full on protein shake or it could be your full breakfast. Just have some protein before coffee. I also add some collagen to my protein shake just for my skin, right? Nails, they get brittle. Skin and nails change as we get older. Find you a collagen. I have a big salad every day for lunch with some protein. Like I said, I like the salads in a bag but whatever makes you happy, get a big old salad for lunch and make sure you've got that four to six ounces of protein on it. Now for me, I get that protein from supper the night before. In our house, we have learned to cook twice the amount of meat so that for lunch tomorrow, we're both set up for it, right? That's a way, so it's like in the morning, I'm not going, ah, I don't have any meat for my salad. The night before, Instead of two steaks, my husband will cook three for me, and one of them is put aside for lunch the next day. And that's just part of the supper routine every day. If I want the cake, cool. Eat the protein first, and then wait a little bit. Let that protein, let the signals from your stomach to your brain that take about 20 minutes, let them catch up. And if you still want the cake, I eat it. Cool. It's not about deprivation, but it is about protein first. And vegetables, ladies, you are a grown woman. If you say, I can't eat vegetables, I don't like vegetables, I don't like the texture, I don't, eh, I don't know how to make them, you are a grown woman. Get a cookbook. Use your spice cabinet. You do not just have to eat them raw or steamed for them to be healthy. Now... I mean, you could totally do those Brussels sprouts covered in cheese. At least you're getting the vegetables. But would I prefer you to use less cheese? Yeah. But to start with, figure out how you like them. Some ideas include roasting them, having them in a salad, grilling them, sauteing them, putting them in the air fryer, and using your spices, experiment with the spices. Try different dressings, different oils. It doesn't have to be the carrot stick, that diet food. Ew, I wish you could see my face right there. All right, so why are we adding protein and vegetables? To increase our libido, decrease our brain fog, increase our energy, improve our sleep, get rid of night sweats and hot flashes, switch up the mood swings, and in general, feel better. 
if you add just that protein tip, once you get up to 125 grams within two weeks, I can guarantee you're going to feel better. If you've got any questions, I'd love for you to shoot me a message. I'm at Hormone Bootcamp on Instagram. (laughs) 